0: Hello guys, welcome to another episode of the Networks' podcast. This is a very special episode because I'm joined by a very special guest. He happens to write for Scouted Football and he's also a Scout for Africon. He has probably been a really good Twitter friend for me in the last year or so, I guess. Without further ado, I'd like to welcome Alex Collins to the show. Welcome, Alex.
1: <laughs> Hi, Rizek, How are you?
0: Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. good. Just before moving on to the podcast and to- uh, discussing the main topics, I just wanted you to probably explain a bit to the listeners about what you do at Scouted as well as Africa.
2: Okay, so for Scouted, I basically just contribute to the to the handbooks. Shu, who's I think I pronounced his name right. He yeah, he just contacted me for the query piece, and then luckily, so I did that for volume nine, and then luckily, yeah, I got to write volume. Ten, I got a write on Kamundin, and then the feature piece on the Right to Dream Academy and its connection with FC Nochelant. And yeah, you know, hopefully I get to write on future ones. But that's pretty much what you know what I do for Scarded. Very happy to be able to contribute to that. And then, yeah, for Afrikan, I work as a scout for them. Also do a bit of the social media. We need to get back to doing that more. <laughs> it's been a hectic period. But yeah, so basically what we are is a scouting consultancy that focuses on finding sort of pathways, Um, kind of similarly actually to, which is why I like um, Right to Dream so much about how they manage these transitions and pathways from an academy in Ghana to football in Denmark, finding these pathways for players to go and, yeah, to go to clubs, not necessarily, not actually in the bigger leagues in the top five european leagues or even netherlands or whatever but looking at scotland the nordic or scandinavian leagues around there, poland as well um and belgium and yeah basically it's a good first step for players in, from africa going into europe and yeah exciting stuff
0: that's that's great to hear and i mean that sounds really really exciting uh, scouted is probably one of my favorite like content creators as well uh I think Volume 9 probably was the first handbook I managed to buy, you But, I mean, that that probably is just the beginning of that because it's, it's really good content out there. And, yeah, I've heard a lot about on as well. Uh, I mean, by, by, from Twitter, obviously. So, yeah, it's it's great to hear uh, all the stuff happening. And, yeah, African players and, you know, some of the prizes, talents in Africa is something that we're going to discuss in the pod. But probably in the towards the last segment of the show. But the main agenda today is to talk about League 1 and how the season's gone, uh, about a couple of teams as well. One of them is the team that will support Leon, But we will start with the league winners, the champions, Lille. So they just lost three games this season in League 1. 64 goals scored. 23 goals conceded, and if you look at the goals conceded, they have the best defense in that regard. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I've seen you mention on Twitter as well saying that, uh, that clean probably aren't like they've probably very like champion material overall. Probably if you look at some underlying numbers as well, I think that supports your argument, uh, to an extent because I mean, I'm uh, I'm fetching stats from understat as well as FBref ref or stats long so. The expected goal difference is fourth. That was fourth in League One. Um, their expected points as well also were fourth. So, they weren't really like blistering in terms of underlying numbers. Defensively, I think they were solid. Their expected goals against as well. In terms of that as well, they're like standing out as the topmost team in League One. So, Alex, what... Actually went right for Lil this season, in your opinion. And do you think? I mean, I, I know this is like a very not 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 the right statement to make when I say that they aren't deserved winners because every champion deserves uh, the title, obviously. But do you think uh, they've been outright winners, or on what's the whole point?
2: Um, so it's interesting actually that you said that the underlying numbers suggested that they are fourth. Um, in terms of expected points and expected goal difference, did you say? Um, yeah, because actually I, had, I hadn't seen those numbers. I do know that they overperformed um, their attacking numbers, I've heard. Um, but yeah, that's actually exactly what I've said. I, I think they were the fourth best team this season, which is, I guess, also as a Lyon fan, where we underperformed our numbers, a bit. I was a bit salty <laughs> at one stage. Um, <laughs> But but yeah, so I do think that they actually were the fourth best team, I have to say. Um, I think they were the best defensive side. Uh, I was really impressed with their defense. Um, and they were a good defensive side last year as well. Very good. Um, but yeah, I think just in terms of attack, there was a lot of overperformance. They never really... I don't know. For me, for me they didn't really, um, yeah, they just, they didn't ever seem as dominant as I would say Lyon um, and PSG. Obviously, PSG had a down season, but still probably, yeah, you know PSG with pl- talents like Neymar and Mbappe, you're not going to be, and then Di Maria, you're not going to be weaker. Um, and then also I thought Monaco, especially from the second half of the season, were, were very, very impressive. Um, and I'm actually looking forward to seeing how they do Next season under Kovac. Um but yeah, I, I would say everything built off a little off of their defense. Um which was I don't know what, what you want me to explain what they did well tactically or so yeah, I'll just explain um uh, what my understanding of their tactics is. Yeah, generally kind of almost a mid or low block, um deeper down, and then they had Joseph Fonte, who I've like more and more over the years have more respect for for me, he's actually their player of the season. I know that's a weird sort of comment to make, considering there's all that hype about Ilmaz and a lot of the younger guys and Batman, but yeah. Um and then yeah, they just had they ha- they have a good group of attackers, but I didn't see anyone maybe part from Ilmaz is actually being um particularly standout. Uh,
0: Yeah. Yeah. You. uh, I mean, that. That's one of our patron questions as well from our patron data about uh, who who as Leal's standout player was this season. So you're gonna go with Font despite Leal scoring 16 goals.
2: Yeah. So. (laughs) So I would say that they they didn't have they had a number of players who played very well this season. Um. I know. Yeah. Magnon, the goalkeeper. Then both their centre back. Um, Botman, who, yeah, I think we'll, we'll probably get into. I know we've, you're planning to speak about some of the younger Lille guys. So I think it's maybe a little bit overrated at this point, but he was very, very good this season. Um, Fonte was very, very good. I think Benjamin Andre goes under the radar a bit. He was very good. Um, then, yeah, Yilmaz. And then there were guys who had different good points of the season. Yaziki yeah, wasn't used that much, but he was very good when he... Played Bamba started off very well. Um, Jonathan David started badly, but actually was very impressed with him by the end of the season. So yeah, uh, if I had to pick, if I had to pick one, I would pick Joseph Though I think he was a be- the best defender. Um, and I think it's a it's a it's a title when kind of based on how good their defenses was. Uh, with some attacking overperformance, I would say.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and, I mean, Christophe Gaultier, actually, uh, I think he joined Lille, I think, uh, late 2017. I think it was in December, just just before
2: 2018. The that makes sense. He left in 2016 yeah. from, from Saint-Étienne. So, yeah, and that makes sense. So, I
0: mean, it's been, like, it's been around three and a half seasons at Lille, and it looks like he's going to leave at the end of the season. And yeah. we're going to talk about uh, the instability part at Lille or the situation at Lille right now. But how much of credit would you give give to Gaultier for this league title? Game? Um,
2: I think I give a lot in in the sense that I don't actually think they should have been title winners. But yeah, let me not keep pushing that. Um. But I think it it definitely comes down to him. He's a very good coach, very competent coach. Um and yeah, he built pretty successful tactics with the 422. 4-2-2, um yeah, I think it was pretty good tactics, nothing super exciting, kind of a higher press high up the pitch, but then as it came lower they would sit back a bit. Um so he definitely knew where to get the most out of guys like Jonathan David higher up or kind of forcing crosses in for Botman and Fuente to deal with. So I think, yeah, lots of tactical strengths made the best out of the players, and he's kind of shown over his entire his entire career. He's a good person to bring a lot out of his players. Um, so, yeah, I would credit him as much as anyone in delivering their victory, for sure, in delivering their title of success. Yeah.
0: That sounds fair. And, I mean, like like you mentioned, though, um, Lille are probably not, despite the league title, they're not probably in the best shape right now. They're looking mm-hmm. off to sell a lot of players. Daltier seems like he's going to leave as well for Nice, I guess. Uh, and, and, and I've been hearing rumours of that. And there's a lot going at Lille. Uh, if I'm not wrong, they are not really good at the moment financially as well. So, Alex, uh, what do you think is the whole reason for the whole uh, for, for this instability to, to be honest?
2: Um, so, yeah, I think a lot of instability is just in the French League in general. So because of the whole media pro thing, um, I, you know, so I don't speak French, which is something I obviously want to do eventually. but so I don't get all of it, but yeah, um that's kind of damp- that's kind of hit a lot of French clubs quite badly. And they haven't handled it that well, Neil. And then also the compass has left. Um, they already were a smaller budget team compared to the success, to be fair to them. Um, yeah, so I think selling is necessary at this point. Um, yeah.
0: And like uh, Mike Mannion, is, I think he's a deal with AC Milan. I think he was a captain right. as well. So I think he he also had like a pretty good season and... Pretty good spell at Lille. So he's going to be a really good signing for AC Milan uh, since Donnarumma looks like uh, leaving. And like you mentioned, there are a lot of good young players as well. Sven Botman, who had a lot of interest uh, even in January, I think he was like, very widely rumored with Liverpool since uh, we were like short on centre backs. So he was like heavily. Heavily, heavily linked with Liverpool in January,
2: full well, signing I, for Liverpool. <laughs>
0: yeah. and, and I, I think he's going to be like still uh, linked with a lot of clubs this summer. There is Shelik as well. Renato Sanchez who had a tough spell at England first, and then again returned to Benfica. I think he's kind of been pretty good at Lille, so he's also been attracting a lot of interest uh, in Europe recently. Jonathan Ikone and Jonathan David, especially uh, I think after Lille signed him last summer, I think he had difficulties in the beginning. I think his numbers weren't in that good either, but he has kicked on probably as the season went further. Then Sumare as well. I think he's he's also probably leaving for Leicester if I'm not wrong. So mm-hmm. there, there are a lot of young players and they are all leaving. So Alex, I would like to probably. Ask you about the young talents that we have and how good they are.
2: i um, sure. Who would you like to start with from the back? Goalkeeper? Yeah. let's start well, from the
1: defense. That just right.
2: yeah. Um, um, yeah, I think he's Mike Manian is very good. Um, he's been good for a while. Um, kind of interestingly, like he almost seems to have like a good season and then like a, wouldn't say bad, but like a non. You not standout season and then a good season not standout season and yeah so I'll be interested to see how he does at um, AC Milan, I can't really speak for how good a replacement he is for Donnarumma don't watch enough of, of Milan but obviously Donnarumma is regarded as one of the best goalkeepers in the world already so it's probably a downgrade but but not a big one and he's a good young goalkeeper still so I think it's good business done by by AC Milan for sure. Um, yeah, he. I think this year, this season. I could be wrong, but I think he had the second best um, post shot expected goal difference um, out of all the keepers in League And then also he's he's solid with his, well, he's solid with the ball at his feet and good at claiming crosses. So he's kind of all round, I'd say, as a keeper. Um, yeah. So I think he's. He's good business. He was definitely, I think, over the course of the season, probably the best goalkeeper in the league. Um, and a big part of their success. Also, I think a big part of what made Lille so strong is because a lot of in their defensive shape is about pushing pushing attacking teams out wide and then trying to get balls in. And they sit quite deep, so there's not much space in behind. And I think Having not only Bartman and Fonte, who are both quite good in that aerial, in handing aerial balls in, into the box or into just in front of the penalty area, then also having a keeper inside the box who can collect quite well was a big part of why they were so strong defensively. Very comfortable a lot of the time dealing with the teams attacks. So yeah, I, I mean, I'm not a goalkeeper specialist, but <laughs> that would be, yeah, I think is a, I think he's a good signing for AC Milan. He definitely has an all rounder. Mm.
0: And like m- moving on to the back line as well, you have Sven Botman, Selig as well, I think right, the, the right back, and you have Renato Sanchez, Nanita Jonathan David as well. So a few words on these plays as well. Who who you think probably might make it to the very top from this list?
2: Um, okay, uh, I'll just move forward. So Botman, I think, really could in a top system he's had lots of hype this year and i think i think a lot of how good he is does come exactly from this is the perfect system for him to play in and also being alongside Fonte, who seems to bring out a lot in every one of his defensive partners over the years which i think is something we we don't really know how to quantify or whatever yet but it would be very interesting if we ever are able to because I kind of feel like, and this is more and more realization after he came back, and then started with Leo, with Gabriel last year as well, that he's definitely someone who brings the most out of it defenders, his partners. Um, but yeah, man, I think I think Butman's very, very good. I just think he's not good if you don't, if if you have, yeah, you know, if you give him space to defend, he's not going to be good. So he's kind of, he's not. You know, he's not a dyke, obviously, but he's not even, um, you know, someone like Matip or whatever who could probably deal in a couple different defences. Yeah, so with him, I think he, he, you just need to find the right club. The only deep, consistently deep-sitting teams that I can think of is pretty much at, at the very, very top is Atletico Madrid. I think he'd do very well there. But yeah, I mean, if for example, and you, you guys were linked with him, I'm pretty sure... Liverpool were never interested in him because it would be a nightmare with him defending all that space in behind. And you've only got to see how he's done with the at the Euro under-21s. So I don't know under-21 Euros. I don't know if you've watched, but but he's been very very good in moments. And then you put him one v one in attacker, or you give him space in def- in behind to defend, and he's very easy to turn. It's very easy to get him behind. So. Yeah, I would say he could be, he could play at the top. It just depends on the system. Chelek, I wouldn't say could ever be a top, top, top. Like, you know, playing at the very top, but I think he's just one tier below that. He's a player I like a lot, actually. Um, ever since, since, um, his season with Pepe, I remember there was always that, that really good dynamic where he would overlap and he was quite a good, um, attacking partner for Pepe, but then I remember seeing him the next season and almost his whole style completely changed. So he's, he's very good at a, and what he does often is he joins the back three. Um, so he makes a back three with, um, Fonte moving into the middle and then Botman sitting on the left in possession. He's very good at playing vertical balls forward. So I think he's, yeah, you know, I wouldn't ever say, you know, he's not going to be. For example, obviously not a Hakimi. Um, I wouldn't say he has a, as high a level as Rhys James or Trent or whoever. But yeah, he could, uh, he's he been the best right back in the league probably. And yeah, I think he's perfect. I mean, I, I know Arsenal are linked and I'd really like us to get him. He's someone who's comfortable on the ball. He can overlap, he can sit in, back in. So yeah, I'd be very keen to see. Sounds like a good partner to balance with Tierney as well oh. uh, sorry <laughs> i think i spoke way too long there but yeah
0: yeah we probably will, will take one more player that you think from probably that probably might make it <laughs> a very sorry tough.
2: yeah who would you to ask about there's you, a couple okay just just go on with a couple of things no <laughs> <laughs> no 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 stress um I, I guess samari would be worth talking about since he's going to leicester Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm interested to see how he does. He's also another, and I, I think another guy's probably had, at one point, had a bit too much hype. I remember people comparing him to Dombele, speaking about him being as good on the ball as Dombele. I think he's a bit more disciplined of it. Um, but yeah, no, he, he's a player I really like. Um, and I think this is a good time for him to move. I remember he was linked, what was it, to Newcastle, just generally to the Premier League about a year ago and he was a little bit raw but I think he'll be a good he'll be a good signing now I'm not sure where he fits in at Leicester Um, I haven't watched him a lot this year though but just yeah interested to see I think he'd be a good partner with Ndidi yeah or Tielemans I guess so yeah I guess we'll see Um, and then who else Jonathan David of course (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Um, Jonathan David, yeah. I think he, he started, I was quite disappointed with him for the first half of the season, just because he came with such hype and I hadn't watched him. Um, but yeah, he's been, he, he's really come along. I think also what I really like about Lil, is um, they're very good at at playing in those like sort of tight spaces in the middle. And it's because they've got like guys like Bamba, guys like Ekone, Yaziki, and especially their two forwards, Yilmaz and David are both so good on the ball. And yeah, I think that's, that's what kind of kept them going, made them almost stronger And their route to the end of the season was definitely David's form. And yeah, he scored some, some important winners. Like I can remember one against Marseille. I think there was another top team he also, he also scored against in the run in. I mean, other than, than <laughs> Um Yeah. Ah, that's
0: great. That's great to hear. And From Lille, we move on to another club. Uh, you talked about Lille overperforming a lot. This one is your favorite team and this team has probably underperformed a lot in terms of uh, the attacking side. We are going to talk about Leon especially. They finished 4th in the league, which is probably a bit underwhelming in your opinion, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I think think it's partly our form did fall off at the end, but but yeah, we definitely, I didn't think for much of the season that Nick would see us below third at very worst, so it was a bit disappointing. I mean, in
0: terms of expected points, uh, Leon are on top of the table. Just edging PSG, I think by a very very small margin. In terms of expected goal difference, you are in second as well behind PSG. So, I mean, and and I mean, I looked at probably uh, I've been looking at this particular metric, which is in terms of shooting or finishing, which is the goals minus expected goals differential, the non penalty one. Leon has consistently been in like the been like amongst the. 10 worst clubs in top five leagues in Europe, along with Liverpool in, in that area for probably probably a few months now. I've been looking looking at that table for a while, uh, whenever I see Liverpool you know, missing a lot of good chances. And at the end of the season, if you, if you look at FPRF right now, you can find that Lyon are the fourth worst side in the top five leagues in Europe when it comes to goals xG differential the non-penalty one, and Shiona just behind Fulham, Sheffield United, and of course the XG underperformers, Brighton. So <laughs> this this is probably like a, a huge indicator in my opinion. I mean, I've not caught a lot of games that Leon played this season, probably a few of them here and there and a few highlights and stuff, but I think the numbers probably speak for themselves, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I guess we're in, in a similar boat then in terms of our fortunes this year um yeah I would say you know also something that I think a lot of people talk about Brighton need a better striker or whatever a better finisher but then you kind of ignore that the forwards that they do have a part of why they have such a high um sort of xG per match because they get so many chances guys like more pie and stuff Malpe. um however you said. it um and I think that's kind of true for us as well. I would say, you know, I, he he comes under a lot of, a lot of heat from the Lyon fan base, but I'm actually quite a big fan of him. But, um, Carl Toko be never, never going to be a great finisher, but he's someone who is incredibly good at snuffing out chances. Um, besides that, I think. Memphis wasn't actually getting on the end of as many chances this past season. He was more of a creator, especially when we had that three with, um, you know, Memphis, Toco and Tino, uh, Tino Catawera. Um, Marcia, i actually, I'd be interested if you know what Tino's finishing was like, cause it, to me, it seemed, it seemed pretty good or at least on average. Um, and Memphis, yeah, Memphis wasn't getting on as many chances. He's a good finisher. Um, I think the other thing is is Awa was getting he putting up crazy numbers per game. Let me actually see over the last year. He I don't have his thing up, but um, I think he was putting up like 0.4 xg as a midfielder. Um, and he's normally a good finisher, but it wasn't going in as much from this year so i think that probably contributes as well a lot to our underperformance so it just feels a bit unlucky in some sense but also part of creating comes from guys have, having guys like toko so yeah it is what it is
0: and and with memphis like uh, out of contract this summer and most possibly leaving do you think cadavere probably uh, fit enough to probably fill that spot
2: so um, I don't see Karowere as as being the replacement for Memphis at all. Um, I think we'll either need to replace Memphis. The guy I would really love to see is um, is for us to bring uh, Musa Barrow in. I think from what I've watched of Barrow, I think he he seems like a perfect replacement for Memphis, and would also. S- kind of suit us well. If we had him on the left and Shirky on the right, it would be quite a nice balance. And then maybe cut kind of in the middle. Um, but yeah, so I did the other thing with, with, um, with Tino is part of the reason we fell off in the second half of the season is he was running on an injured knee and yeah, we just lost steam because that, that front three together was really, really potent. Um, and then yeah, with it, with Slamani, or whatever, we ended up changing to bringing in sort of Paqueta more as a ten. Yeah, it never really worked as well. Um, even though it did still, we still were pretty dominant, but it wasn't
1: as much, you know.
0: I mean, uh, I I kind of remember like doing a this last year and finding Musa there somewhere upon, uh, on the top of like. Uh, I think it, uh, creating the dribblers was it that I created, I guess. So, yeah, I think even in terms of short creating actions, I think he's somewhere around like uh, 3.2 per 90 in this area this season. So, yeah, I think probably he might be a good shout, like you said. And yeah, let's see where that goes. Because we have a transfer window ahead of us, probably. A lot of activity might happen post the Euros. But one big question, though, Alex, to you, regarding Rudy Garcia. What do you think actually went wrong for him?
2: Um, In terms of why he got sacked? Yeah. So, I think, firstly, not a very good manager, if I'm being honest. Um, I think he's a good reactive manager, and I think he's good at building a counter-attacking sort of team's Especially up against good teams, is good at setting us up like that. Which is why he got all of that hype last year, I think you'll remember. He even got like coach of the year for something, I think was a Champions League coach of the year. Um, because we did play well, I mean we were lucky against Man City, but we did play well. Played well against Juventus, um, even played well against Bayern before it all went apart, um, how we were set up. So, yeah, I think he's got, he's got some strengths, and to be, to his credit, I was pretty impressed, because I wouldn't have expected from him before this season to see that we had, um, Paqueta and Auer as eights in that, in his 4-4-3, four, four, three, four, three, three. Um, but yeah, tactically, we stayed with that for too long, especially when Kadawere started getting injured. Um, yeah, you know, he, he just doesn't change too much. He's very, he's very, um, conservative at the back. I mean, we saw Diskelio all the time at left back rather than Bart or Cornet even over. It was, yeah, lots of choices that, yeah, that were a bit disappointing or even, I mean, I like Thiago Mendes, but I would have liked to see more Bruno, Men, Bruno Gomes. um, you know, we impose on ourselves on teams more with him, and yeah, I was a bit disappointed. And then yeah, aside from that, the actual reason he got fired because Lyon's a way too patient a club with its coach with his coaches. Um, is yeah, his falling out of Juninho, Juninho. and yeah, apparently they just didn't see eye to eye. And I don't know if you saw, but like after he got sacked he, he made up a whole lot of lies seemingly I'm sure there might be some truth in them I'm not so sure um, about Juninho so yeah I think he's just a very difficult person to work with <laughs> as well I'm quite happy he's out of our club
0: yeah I mean last season's uh, probably results in Champions League probably was a bit overblown I guess despite the poorly finish last season but yeah that's that's those are fair points that you made and we're going to talk about his res- replacement as well. But just before that, I just want to ask you about the academy that Lyon have and the talents that they've produced over the years. If, if you look at the players that have come, up, uh, come out from the Lyon academy, you have the likes of Karim Menzema, Lacazette, Bonalons, Freddy Canute, Nabil Fakir, Clement Granier, you have Samuel Mttiti, uh, Toliso alessandre I think Anthony Martial probably was at some time in the academy as well. So
1: yeah, you Thank have you. a
0: list of some really amazing players. I mean, gori as well, who you wrote a piece for Scouted Handbook, Volume 9. So you have a lot of amazing talents that the academy has produced. If you look at right now, you have Usum Owar, Maxence kakare Brian Shirky, um, I think... Melvin Bardas again, Rancheki and Bardas, Bard are probably the next in the line, I guess. So yeah. my question to you is why is or why do you think the academy is like so good and so consistent at producing some really amazing players?
2: So yeah, you told me you were gonna ask me this beforehand. So I did do some because I've never actually really looked in why we're such a good academy. I did do some research and I think. Basically, answer is kind of boring, but a lot of it does come from just the level of investment that Orlis, um has put into the club since he, he took over. Um, so, yeah, we have a lot of infrastructure and investment put into, into our youth. I think we're in also in a good location where, you know, lots of players see football as their route forwards um, to careers. And... Then I think just we also got lucky from from early on, my impression is that the coaching staff right from the beginning were very good at coaching the, the players and built a very strong batch and basically how we ended up building new coaches through the academy was very much like an internal one where new coaches would come in and learn from the older coaches and then that process would sort of repeat itself. So yeah I think those would be sort of the major reasons why Lyon is um, benefits from as good an academy as it does um, yeah nothing nothing super interesting beyond that but yeah
0: that sounds that, that actually sounds interesting though I mean a lot of I mean there is like a real a uh, real pathway for the youngsters to come into the senior team at a very young age and okay. you see a lot of these youngsters like probably attracting a lot of interest from Europe and they turn 20, 22 or by, by, by the time they turn like 23 they are one of the hottest prospects in the in, in the market and you see big clubs getting linked with these players and, and all us being all us uh, selling these players for a, a really good sum I think or, or yeah. All of that is probably down to a clear, uh, clear
2: pathway to the very top. Sorry, and yeah, Alexia. Sorry, just actually to add to your, I think that's also a massive aspect of it is that it is just a massive commitment to bringing through our youth at Lyon. Another reason Rudy wasn't liked, by the way. Apparently, he's the reason we let Pierre Kalulu and uh, Guiri go. Major, um, there's a massive commitment, and I think basically having a commitment to developing youth and then actually being able to play them, creating spots for them. For example, we're not looking to bring in a new right-back this season because we have Marlo Gusto coming through. Um, I'm sure we're not going to be looking too much in midfield because we have Florent De Silva coming through. You know, a hand has been waiting to come through. Um, Sinali, we're not bringing in another centre-back because he's not an academy graduate, but that he's a young centre-back we have because we're going to give him a chance coming through the first team. I think that's just a massive part of what, Lyon know, stands for. It's why I started supporting the club um, back in 2015. I'd already liked them for years. Um, but yeah, so I think that's just a massive part of what makes the club so good, you know. Its, it's whole ethos is about being open to bringing through youth.
0: Yeah, and we discussed that. We we talk about uh, probably a couple or three, three, four young players from Leon as well. I mean, Ryan Cherky is one of the names that again is probably probably I think gaining traction on social media as well as probably around the footballing world as well. I mean, a lot of people you can see a lot of people probably say uh, probably talk a lot on Cherky. I know he's played just like six ninety-eight minutes in in, in 1 this season. Uh, although he's had, like, it spread over, like, 27 starts. Uh, uh, not 27 oh, games, I mean. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, so that is, like, pretty... I know it's pretty low, but he's just, like, what, 17? He was, like, 16 when, when the season started. So mm-hmm. it's 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 decent minutes. But I think the way that you mentioned how Rudy Garcia doesn't or didn't favour youth much, I guess under uh, the next manager, Peter Boss it's going to be the exact opposite because he's that kind of a manager who's going to give the young kids a lot of chance as well. So I just want you to probably brief us or brief the listeners again uh, like you did with Leel. Probably mention a couple of names from the Leon youth system that's going to probably come through. Yeah, break out.
2: Um, Okay, so I think... I think I'll speak about two guys that I think we will see a lot of this season um, coming through. Um, so, yeah, I guess I think we, first it's probably nice to start off with Scherke. I'm pretty sure um, Boss would be coming in with the understanding that we're going to be building around Shirky. If We're coming to the end of the cycle, end of a cycle with Lyon. Our will be leaving and we're going to start building our club around. Memphis is leaving as well. Lots of our older players have left the season, will leave the season and left the season before. so yeah, I think it's a it's a perfect time to to start building around Shirky. We already should have played him more last season. maybe I mean i'm never I'm never too much up for playing, you know, at 16, turning seventeen year old, overly much during um you know during his teenage years, but like seven point eight nines isn't isn't great. Uh, we probably should have played him probably 18, 90s, I think would have been good, especially considering he's he's been more than good enough to play for us. Um, but yeah, I, I think we'll see ourselves building around him. As a player, um, if I had to compare him to anyone, I would say he's kind of Hazard-esque, um, Eden Hazard-ish. Um, maybe a little bit less explosive, but more of a, a stronger build. Um, yeah, he's an interesting player, very, very good dribbler, incredible technique, um, very, very good decision maker. I mean, he has been since he was 15. Like, it's one of the most impressive things about him is he's come into the team as an excellent decision maker. Um, and yeah, also, he's never going to be super, super explosive. At least I don't, I don't see that happening, but he's very, yeah, he's a he's a good athlete. Uh, got a strong frame, and yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to to watching him develop this season. It will also be interesting to see where he plays under boss. There's you know all the possibility he actually plays a central midfield role, um, similar to maybe what Brandt played um, under boss at Leverkusen. Um, yeah, besides that, I think another player that we'll see coming into the team is Melvin Bart. Apparently, we're bringing some guy called Enrique. I haven't watched him um, at left back. And basically, the understanding is we aren't investing too much in there because we don't want to put a player in the way of Melvin Bart's development. So, yeah, I think he's going to take a, a starting role. If not from the beginning of the season, he'll get into. And he's actually a player, I think, you know, they all come from the same age group um, of query. Um, Kakare, who's now become the most famous from that age group. Um, Pierre Kululu at AC Milan and Melvin Barton. He's always kind of the forgotten one, but I think, I think by this time next season, he'll become far more known. Um, I'm looking forward to his, him coming out. Very good attacking player. He can also play in a back three. Not that we'll really see that on the bot, but it would be interesting if Malo Gusto, who I'll get to just now. Or, um, Du Bois push up higher, we can see that back three sort of taking place. Um, but yeah, I think personally, strong technically. I don't know if you've watched Adrian Treffer, but actually, it's weirdly really there comparable players. Um, same age and everything. He plays for Rennes. Um, yeah. So I'll be looking forward to that very technical, techie left back. Likes bomb- bombing down the left. So yeah. Um, otherwise players that we'll see coming into the team is Mano Gusto um, he's a right back similar also I think he played midfield at youth level um, but yeah very techy quite an athlete as well big build I think he's still 16 um, very quick strong attacking good at putting crosses in um, and then, yeah, Florent de Silva, who's a little bit slept on because of how good and how special Shirky is. They're in the same age group, both also attacking midfield types, but Florence, a very, very good player in his own right. Um, and yeah, very elegant sort of player. Um, good passer. Yeah. Um, and I think I'd like to see him as one of the attacking eights. Maybe as a Paquetta backup, especially while um rain adelaide still injured yeah
0: mm, that's great that's great hear. Yeah, and the next topic is probably as expected on peter boss and this is such a very you know i mean for me i think it, when i heard that peter Boss signed for leon i was probably surprised because um i mean i did a we did a podcast here uh, we did a his podcast a few weeks back when he was sacked by Leverkusen talking about where his next possible destination could be uh, i remember myself ruling out france and <laughs> probably giving a shout again to some german side or maybe some mid table spanish side although we were like quite uh, skeptic on uh, skeptic whether he would actually fit uh, the Serie a or the premier league because he isn't he isn't someone who's like very pragmatic or uh, yep. he, he, he yep. and I mean that side of his game is probably the weakest, as we we seen at Dortmund, uh, Ajax, and even at Leverkusen as well. I mean he, he came from Ajax to Dortmund, and that was short lived. I know that that probably wasn't the greatest uh, spells in his career, but he kind of studied the ship at Leverkusen last season was quite okay. From when uh, if you look at from their perspective this season until December until they played Bayern Munich in December they were like flying they were on top of the table I guess and they had like a top of the table clash against Bayern Munich in December late December and after that loss it was a 2-1 loss it was not a very big loss either although Bayern probably dominated most part of the game but after that loss everything seemed to fall apart I mean then that's the pattern with Peter Boss as well. I mean, you see him like performing really well, having his team play some really amazing football as well. But then suddenly it all like breaks down like glass. You see it breaking completely. I mean he lost games against teams that he shouldn't have been losing in the Bundesliga with Bayer Leverkusen. And I think probably finally it cracked and he had to be sacked. So do, are you, like, really optimistic with Boss, uh, Alex? Because I, even at Leverkusen, he had around, like, 54% win, rate in total. So, I'm, like, really optimistic with Peter Boss's signing. And do you think, like, he will be able to perform better than his previous spells when, uh, in, in League 1?
2: Um, so, I think the first thing is part of the excitement for a lot of Lyon supporters, and I think which a lot of other people have kind of missed um, is that exactly kind of like you say, firstly, it's a big change. It's not a signing that we kind of expected for legal. I would have never seen boss going to legal, um, but but especially for Lyon, like we sign French managers or French speaking primarily. I've heard the boss speaks. All well, I assume is spoke on French because he used to play in France, but yeah, I think he's relearning or retouching up his language, his French. Um, yeah, he's just a, he's a very different signing from from what we would have done. I mean, I was expecting Galtier, and I'm very happy. As good as a coach, I think Galtier is. I don't think he's a special coach. Um, yeah, and it, and he's just a bit of a boring appointment. I can't, as a, from a personal point of view a bit uninspired or unimaginative from Leon's part um yeah by no means was was boss my first choice I would have preferred Ponseca um he was the one I wanted for sure and then I haven't watched Galato, but I've heard lots of good things and he sounds exciting um and I haven't watched much of De Serbi, but I think he would have been good I know Juninho wanted him most by the scene, by the sounds of it um but yeah, I think it's just a big change for the club, you know. Um, it's a far more exciting coach. And compared to our list of coaches from before, especially the last two that with Silvino in between, but Ginesio and Garcia, he's a far better coach than I, either of them are. And he's far more attacking and he's someone who plays the youth. So he fits us in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, even beyond that, I'm kind of... Yeah, I, I think I'm a bit optimistic about how we'll we'll do, especially because I feel it's an it's a changing cycle on the one hand. So I'm not necessarily expecting us to be as dominant as we were, especially when we're losing guys like Awa and Memphis. But it would have been bad under Rudy. Um, and yeah, I think Boss is just the perfect person to sort of develop the, the likes of Shirky and Kakere. Um even Bart Malagusto Um so yeah, I think I think he's a very good coach. I don't see him being with us for super long. Hopefully he's signed a two year contract. I'd love him to fulfill that contract. Um but yeah, I also think he's a bit hard done by, I will say. Um he's a coach I've liked since since watching him at for Ajax. Uh just because he plays a like really nice football. Um, but I know he's flawed, but I don't think, I think people maybe overstated a bit, especially there's this idea that he, he starts well and crashes quickly at every club where, you know, he did spend two and a half years at Leverkusen. Um, and he left Ajax after one season because he got an offer from Dortmund. So yeah, Just not sure if I completely answered your question or, or went around it, but yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, that that's that's actually a actually fair answer as well, yeah. Alex. And I mean, you probably can only I mean, you can only pass out a pass out a like very fair judgment when you see him in action with the team. So it's it's just I mean, the appointment has done just uh, so he hasn't like played with the Leon Scott yet, and I mean, particularly speaking, I think. Lee might probably suit him a bit more. So and and like you mentioned with the attacking talents that well,
2: what you on. think Luke could suit him more? Just interesting.
0: Hmm. I, I, I think this probably I mean, considering this might be his make or break job once again, because he's had like good opportunities at the top, and I think this is going to be his last good opportunity at a very top. The I mean, I, I, I definitely think Leon are like a top club, so I think this might be his last opportunity at a top club for the foreseeable future. So if he does well, I think he's going to be able to sustain and probably get another good opportunity once this contract is done here at Leon. So and and also considering his style, I think he might be able to brush off a lot of teams as well. So in League One. So I I mean. Personally speaking, I'm a bit optimistic, although I was a bit surprised initially. But yeah. I I'm a bit optimistic about what it was.
2: <laughs> Yeah, myself I'm fully on the hype train. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there were lots of doubters when Kovac came in. Mm. Um it's done very, very well, especially yeah. with his attacking style. So yeah, I mean it's a move I really like for the league for League in itself because um because a lot of I think it's probably well definitely out of the top five leagues it's has the least coaching quality I'd say it's a league that makes Galtier look like a genius, so you know um and he, I think he is a good coach I feel like i've I've been harsher on him than I intend to be, but it makes yeah it's not a very very good um strong coaching league it's got a lot of low block sides, but yeah it's just it's exciting to see more um coaches with more attacking intent, but also, I mean, I do regard, as flawed as he is, I do regard Boss as a tactically astute manager, and maybe one that suits our squad quite well. Um, I don't know if you saw my tweet about it, not that it was a uh, big tweet or whatever, but, um, but yeah, I was just thinking about how he might actually be better suited to this Lyon team, given the sort of legs we have in midfield. Because his high price is for sure a bit naive and he's used it a bit naively for certain teams. But I think, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. We've got guys like Kakare and Paquette who have insane engines. Bruno Gumeris as well. We're interested in Pape Matessa, someone who also has an insane engine. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see that those are all sort of guys that we can put in the middle. Who who also have a strong attacking qualities and can get back and defend well. So, yeah, I'd be interested to, to see how he does with us.
0: Yeah, I mean, and uh, hopefully I feel, uh, hopefully I, 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 I expect that he, he probably gets Leon back to the top and you know, maybe makes another title of PSG's hands for you guys. Yeah. So that's up with Leon as well. And we have like around 20 minutes more in the podcast. And we have also have like a fair bit of players discuss. This is the last segment of the podcast where we are going to discuss some of the emerging or some of the best young talents in League One and also from the Africa region. And first of all, Alex, I mean, I know you probably sent me a lot of some really amazing names. A few of them I haven't watched at all and I wasn't aware of them at all. A few of them I've been aware of their names popping up here and there. I've seen some databases as well on them and probably a few comp- compilations as well. So we'll straight on get into it without wasting time. You mentioned five players. Pape Sar, Shomani from... Uh, I'm, I, I hope I'm pronouncing his name directly. From Monaco, Yassi Nadli, you have Aucic, then Tere Moffi, then Akin Kunmi, Amu, Samson, Tijani as well. So these are the players that you sent me. When we finalize that, this will be the place that we'll speak Yeah. Of. So, <laughs> yep, the stage is set for you to discuss or to, to let our listeners know how good these players are and why they should be keeping an eye on these
2: players. Um, yeah, I think... Or maybe I could put a question back to you because I know you actually approached me about us doing a Papi Matasar article at some point. Mm. Um, so yeah, what what drew you to him? I mean,
0: I I never came across his name probably when I was like doing some research on Jude Bellingham. But his stats probably seemed to stand out a bit for me uh, in the attacking sense, to be honest. Uh, in terms of short-creating actions as well, he's probably quite decent in the role that he plays Mm -hmm. and I haven't watched much of him probably caught one or two games I guess and I I don't think probably that 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 isn't probably enough I guess for me to pass on a very proper judgment on him but I'm pretty excited as well on on him just by seeing the data and also in those two appearances as well uh, appearances as well like thought he was like, particularly fine. So, yes, I'm pretty excited.
2: Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, I was just interested because in, statistically, I think a lot of people started taking note of him. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm very excited about him. Um, interestingly, like, speaking about how he comes out in the stats, when you watch him, he's more of a defensive role, very much an 8th low. Maybe he could play more of a sitting role if he needed to. But, um, yeah, I kind of see him as similar to Kakere in some senses. Um, very vertical player. He carries more than... Kakere would be more of a passer, whereas he's a vertical carrier. But, yeah, he's just got an insane engine similar to Kakere. They can win ball. He, he's a strong ball winner. Um, this is his first season as well. I, I'm not sure if he's 19 yet, but... But yeah, he was 18 for much of the season at least, um, and yeah, also he was um, similarly to two of the guys we'll chat about later. Um, he was at the under-17 World Cup in 2019. Um, the other guys being Tajani and Amu. Um Yeah, and there he actually played like an attacking midfield role, so which does come through. I think as good a, as a ball winner as he is, you can you can see it's what. Yeah, he's got pretty much he's got an impressive passing game. He puts through some very nice vertical balls every now and then. Uh still a bit rusty with some touches. He can be a bit awkward. Um but yeah, I'm very excited by him. Uh he's definitely I think for a lot of teams that are looking for for strong sort of box to box midfielders. Um I think he ticks the boxes. <laughs> um but yeah. Like a lot of people are looking, you know, for Kakaray or whatever. I would probably, I mean, Kakaray is going to be expensive for whoever wants to get him. But for clubs that are speaking about the need to have a player like Kakaray, he's someone I would look at now. I'm happy Lyon are looking at him them themselves because he'd be a nice replacement for Kakaray if he beams in a season or two. Um, Yeah, in terms of what impresses me the most, very rangy. So very mobile, uh, probably just how good he is in terms of winning the ball and then immediately playing forward um and yeah he's got a strong 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 creative game that I don't think we've seen as much of yet, but I think as he sort of develops more we'll we'll see it come through um I didn't watch much of him at the at the under seventeen World Cup, but apparently uh he was. Their strongest creator player. Like, uh, yeah,
1: yeah.
2: that sounds
0: very positive. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, like like I said, um, I'm also pretty much looking forward to possibly get to watch more more
2: games from League One next year. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll uh, we'll yeah. go through some of his footage. But yeah, yeah he's a player, he's a player I'm particularly high on. Yeah. Um, looking at towards next season.
0: And. We have a few more players as well than the, the, the guy from Monaco
2: Aurelien. really
0: yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, Not too big, but he's he's a player I've loved for, for eight, maybe 2018 was the first time I watched him. Uh, and he's also come on loads since then. But even then, I thought he'd be more of a sitter and a ball winner because that was sort of his style. He was a bit awkward moving with the ball back then. But now he's yeah, I'm very Aurelian um many. Like he he, if I had to say the two best midfielders, in my opinion, in the league this year, um was him and Paqueta. Um and yeah, he's just obscenely good. Um only things I would say is he's a very strong ball winner. Um maybe sometimes his first touch can let him down. Um but other than that, I think he's quite a complete player. Um, strong vertical passer. He's a good decision maker too. Um, yeah. I don't know what more to say about him. Beyond maybe where does he go? I'm not so sure. Um, I thought Ch- I heard Chelsea were potentially interested in him, but I'm not sure if that was just Orlando. I don't know if you you know Orlando, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not sure if that was actually just Orlando saying he wanted them to sign. Uh, him, they been, was,
0: they've been linked. I, I think they've been linked with
2: yeah. him. Yeah. But yeah, he's, he's a very good player. Um, kind of strong across the board. Um, progressively, incredibly strong defensively, but then also, um, yeah, gets shots off. very much also within um. Kovac's system suits him a lot. Another guy I like that often his midfield partner is um, Yusuf Fofana, who is like, yeah, I've liked him since Strasbourg. Um, yeah, also similar box-to-box sort of player.
0: Yeah, that sounds very positive because, uh, again, I'm pretty sure he, he's going to have a like, good amount of suitors in the summer. I think was it was in January when Manchester United had some links with him as well, and was yeah yeah last summer or probably January if I'm not wrong. Uh, I kind of remember hearing some links with Manchester United, so we'll probably see how that plays out as well. But another player, this is someone I'm also like pretty interested in discussing about, Yassi Nadli.
1: Ah uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean. There's a big chance that he might move from Bordeaux this summer, isn't it? And, I mean, you, you look at his stats from FBF as well. I mean, think in the past year or so, he's, he's probably uh, stood out in terms of short creating actions, um, pressures as well, uh, tackling to, to an extent as well. And his expected assist number is also, or XT assisted, to be honest, is probably the right word to use here. Is also like pretty good. So, where do you probably see him moving to, Alex? If if he intends to leave Bordeaux this summer.
2: Hmm. That's actually an interesting question. Where where would he go? Um. I think. I mean, I joking. Well not jokingly, but like, not totally seriously, thought he could be someone who came to Arsenal. Um. <laughs> as like a 'Cause he plays, you know, he used to play very much like a right wing and um an attacking midfield role. Like I remember the first time I ever watched him was when I was watching for Greary at the under seventeen what was it, World Cup? Or under or Euros and yeah, you know, Adley was the other standout guy in that side, in that French side. Um and back then, yeah, he was very much like a Fluid, sort of, ten or right wing, and now he he's far more. I mean, I never saw him. I never actually used to to doubt how good he would be professionally because I had doubts about his physical capacity. Well, I've been proved like wrong. Like he's a very he's, shown, he's a very good athlete, very strongly in control of his frame despite how tall he is. Um, balance, you know what I mean? Um, but also, yeah, the pressures are something that I just never saw. 17-year-old Adley being a ball-winning, what is it, like four, almost four tackles, P90. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I think I kind of almost feel like he could play anyway because I think he's also very much got that controller sort of capacity That, you know, we kind of see from guys from Odegaard who can kind of play quite high up, facilitate play while playmaking kind of almost like a a creative water carrier for the side. Um, but then also he's obviously very good at creating shots, especially for how deep he does sometimes play. Though, yeah, he also sometimes plays either, you know, as the furthest in a, in a three, sometimes as part of a, 4-4-2, 4-4-2, four, four, in the middle and sometimes on the right of a 4-4-2. Four, four, um, but yeah, no, where I think he could go is pretty much anywhere that needs an attacking eight. Um, that can also press nicely and defensively. Um, yeah, I think he could potentially play. I can see him playing even deeper if he needs to. Um, yeah, I don't know. He's someone I think Liverpool could actually... Do well with now that I think about it. So if you guys had to change your team a little bit. Um, but yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I actually remember suggesting Adley to someone probably a few weeks back. Uh, I mean, if, if you want to, like, probably think out of the box as a thing, out of know, the box signing. So yeah, that probably you confirming gives, gives that thought, like, more. more <laughs> energy i guess so <laughs> yeah that's great to hear and i mean now i'll probably let you probably uh, probably brief on maybe a couple more players especially from the african region uh one player that uh, i i I'll, I'll probably suggest is Kamil dean i mean i know you you, you have written uh, a piece on him in the upcoming scouted handbook who, who I think he has reportedly joined IX. I heard African Insider like tweet that he has agreed a move to Ajax uh, just before we started this podcast. So I'm not sure how 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 legit that particular news is, but yeah, Kamaldin seemed to be a very attractive player from the African region. Patson Daka another so. So, so I'll, I'll just let you probably decide a few players and just let us know who you think are probably the ones to keep, uh, keep an eye out on.
2: Um, so yeah, maybe I won't say too much about Kamatine, C- so maybe read <laughs> yeah, the... <laughs> yeah, that's but, Yeah. Um, but also just because I've discussed a lot on him. Um, but yeah, I'm not surprised by the move to Ajax. They've been the leading guys for him um, for a while now. Um, apparently Overmask was watching the last few, like the last few games of him at, or at least one of them, one game, um, he was there in person to watch Kamaldine and Kamaldine had a really, really good game. I think he might've been there after. Um, and yeah. And then Camaldi, I think his agent even said something about Ajax, but it's a good next step for him. Um, a couple of months ago, he even, I thought he wasn't ready yet. I thought he'd need like at least another half season in Denmark, but, but yeah, I think he's ready and yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he plays, right? Because they have Tadic playing off the left a lot of the time. Um, they have Anthony on the right, obviously, Kamaldine can play across, um, the front line and then they, they're trying to get Robbie back. I heard that's what Ajax are trying to do after just losing him, um, apparently they've had like some sort of reshuffle, I'm not sure if that's, but yeah, um, <laughs> that's what I've heard, um, and yeah, they have, who, who, who else do they have at centre forward, they have, I've forgotten his name now, but French number 22 for them, Sebastian his name
0: um something.
2: Yeah, so I'll be interested to see where they fit him in. But they yeah, I think he'd be good, as long as he gets minutes for them. Um, Dhaka, I'm very interested to see where he goes. I heard West Ham are, inter- are interested in him. I think he'd be potentially a very, very, very good signing for them. Um, I'll be a bit sad if he goes to West Ham, I won't lie. Um, but yeah, if I was him, I think Bundesliga would be a perfect next step. Maybe a club like Gladbach, um, if they can afford him, maybe, yeah, you know, maybe Red Bull Salzburg. I don't know who they have at the moment, though. I mean, not Red Bull Salzburg, Leipzig, RB Leipzig, Um, yeah. Or even potentially as an option, if I was Dortmund, I'd probably go for Tammy to replace Holland, but Daka would be a great replacement too. Um yeah. So yeah,
1: The Rypse
0: yeah, Galling yeah, oh, yeah. uh, probably uh, makes a lot of sense as well because they have struggled quite a bit this, this season, uh, due to not having, you know, that that goal scoring centre forward. They had Timo Werner scoring loads for them last season and this season they, they they lost him and they couldn't really replace him with neither Sorl or Yusuf Olsen or I think Fang Hee-chan hasn't probably found his feet uh, yet, so that probably hasn't worked a lot. So maybe Patan Daka could could turn out to be that player that they might have, and he's, he's worked with Jesse Marsh as well, so that that probably makes a lot of sense, so, yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll be interested to see where he goes. Um, yeah. In another life, I wish, you know, he could have played for us on, but it doesn't make sense. Only
1: yeah.
0: And we'll probably end this episode with a couple more names, Alex, okay, who came from the African like region. Really so, awesome. I guess,
2: I know Yeah, we we're interested in speaking about Tijani and Amu, uh, two guys that I watched at youth level for Nigeria, and yeah, so one of them's at Hamabi the other one is at um, well actually at um, Salzburg but spent the season on Learned Hartburg um, so yeah I guess I'll start with Tijani the second one I spoke about um, he, got, he was the captain for Nigeria at the under 19 AFCON and the the under-17 AFCON in 2019. And the under-17 World Cup that same year. Um Yeah, so he's kind of like... I know he has a bad rep, but I kind of see him a bit Jorginhoi, except maybe more mobile and a lot of potential as a ball winner. Also good press resistance. Um, Yeah, apparently... So from when I when I watched... There were two guys that really, really stood out to me, especially from the AFCON, um, and that was, one of them was Tajani. Um, and yeah, I think apparently he struggled a bit at Hardberg. His numbers don't look that great this season, um, but it's interesting because, you know, he's 18, um, and normally the first thing that, that um, Salzburg do whenever they get players coming from Africa, is they send them to the second division side, Levering, um, that they, I think they own as well. Um, that the Red Bull company owns. And that's where a lot of players, you know, sort of, you know, get their, earn their straps, stripes. Um, yeah, guys like Patson and Daka have done exactly that. Where um, but yeah, so it's interesting that he actually, they loaned him out to, to a first division team. I think it shows kind of a lot of faith. I don't think he was quite ready for that level. I've, I've watched a game and then a number of like Y Scout highlight things. Um, it's kind of interesting. Like his touch looks a lot worse than it was, than it did at youth level. Like more so than, you know, obviously it's a different, it's a step up, but more so than I would have expected. So I think it's also just been a bit of a pressure thing, but I think, yeah, as long as they're patient with him, he was, he was very impressive. He's a very good, quick decision maker. Um, he's a good ball winner. He's good. He's got good press resistance. Um, but yeah, the reason I compared him to Jorginho is he's, he's, you know, he likes making the short sort of metronome type passes. Um, Yeah, I quite like him a lot. Um, hopefully he goes back to them this season. I'm not sure if he'll spend like half the season at Liefering or, or what the case will be. Um, and then the other guy is Akenkumi Amu. And he actually didn't really, he was probably, he was probably one of the five best players, I would say, in that squad, especially at the World Cup. Actually, World Cup, he had a very good World Cup over across the two tournaments. I would say the fifth or so best player, but he's actually, Exploded at Hamabi, um, so yeah, I'll be interested to see, yeah, how he how he comes along. But yeah, personally, that's been like an interesting sort of learning curve for me, just seeing how different players adapt to different levels. Hamabi's um, in the Allsvenskan, um, um, Swedish league, and yeah, he's he. Didn't start a lot of last season, I think, but he played a lot in, the, in their cup run. I'm actually not sure. I was intending to watch the game, but then life got busy. If they ended up winning the the cup final, um, but yeah, he led them to their like a cup final they hadn't won a league a, a cup final in ages. So yeah, he he's had a good start there. And this season, I've watched two of his games um, since the Auschwitz kind of started. Um, and yeah, he's been super impressive in both. Uh, it's very hard to think of how to describe him, but he is kind of, he, he shares some similarities with Doku. I think that comes from, they're just both mad explosive players, very good close control too. Um, yeah, interesting thing about, um, is especially, he likes to actually take players on in close gaps because of the reward of, you know, if you can get through that close gap, there's a lot of space behind and generally higher chances. So he you know where where certain guys will will like to sort of keep onto the ball as long as possible and progress up the field. Armor um, quite likes to burst through take chances through tighter gaps. So he's quite an exciting player to watch. Um and yeah he's developing very, very quickly. I think by the end of the current um season that's ongoing, it only started at the beginning of this year. Um yeah, I think I think they'll do they'll do well. Um he'll he'll be more known. He'll probably have a scouted issue at some point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <it's going> <laughs> I
0: I mean I mean if if you make it on scouted you're bound to probably go, go, go to <laughs> <laughs> I mean a a lot of scouted prop on this particular episode. I hope the guys at Scouted listen to this and like pay us a commission for this. <laughs> so so this probably brings us to the end of the podcast I mean I know you've spoken a lot on different different GCs as well as well as uh, on on the timeline so speaking to you on a podcast and hearing you talk about a lot of players and a lot of insightful 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 words on a lot of amazing young players as well as really great especially for the Netflix's brand. So thank you so much, Alex, for coming on to this
2: episode. It was an absolute pleasure. <laughs> I'm not so sure, but but yeah. <laughs> it, was
0: it was an absolute a, pl- a pleasure hosting you.
2: So it, was a pleasure, it was a pleasure being hosted. And yeah, thanks so much. Nice to speak. Yeah.
0: So... Once again, to all our listeners, if you like our content, do follow us on social media, uh, subscribe to our podcast as well. And if you think we probably are really, really worth investing, then do subscribe to us on Patreon as well. So until the next episode, bye bye. Take care.